Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdist Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. On Nerdist Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit NerdistShow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all-ages property. But these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo! Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning. And sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. And that is what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show and in no time, our entire lives... We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures and B-movies while twisting them into strange creatures, weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots and lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs! A journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation and sci-fi where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth, battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil Glampire. Coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're finding out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dog since day one, from the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting, and the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of the Lightning Dogs, live! Tony here! Yeah, you know, Tony, the third creative voice on these Lightning Dog podcasts before Cap'n Doug abandoned me, left me behind. Yeah, last episode I wasn't there. But you know what? I get it. When lightning strikes, you just gotta go with it. For instance, the recording you're about to hear wasn't from a planned Lightning Dogs meeting at all. The three of us often get together to brainstorm other nerdy show network projects, and as it happened, a Lightning Dogs discussion erupted while we weren't recording. For shame. We were such bad puppies. So Cap hit us with a rolled up newspaper and shoot us off to the studio to record, lest we lose some of that vital creative electricity. The first matter at hand was to get my two cents on the prior episode's discussion, which centered around Glampire's history and the full extent of his powers. Tony wasn't here for the last discussion with Doug and I, um, (sighs) but he listened to it. You've listened to it. I've got like 15 minutes left, but yes, I I got the, the brunt of it and I am more familiar now with what Glampire is about. Hashtag better without Tony. Well, you're starting a hashtag against you. Why would you do that? No, I didn't. That same night that you guys were having that meeting, we were playing Rocket League and I had to go walk the dogs for a minute. When I left to walk the dogs, Rob and Steve had the best game of the night. So Rob started the hashtag better without Tony. 
I'm so sorry, Tony. <sighs> Hashtag better without Tony. God damn it. That's all right that it's only a catchphrase that stuck around to this day. But hey, I might as well take this opportunity to point out that you can catch such thrilling events as the creation of belittling hashtags with me and the rest of the stream team over on Nerdy Show's Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash nerdy show. And as for the Glampire discussion, well, I really dug what Captain Doug came up with. No complaints here. While listening to that prior meeting, I did some sketches of Glampire, and so, to kick off this impromptu meeting, I submit them to Cap and Doug for discussion and debate. They're good. There's one that I think, Doug, were we both on the same page about this? The, no, yeah, the, the top left. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to keep that face shape, but what I want, I want to keep the long hair. And it's, it's for a dumb reason, or at least it's not any kind of practical reason, but when he does beast out, when he drops the distinguished decorum with which he normally approaches pretty much everybody, I see the hair just flaring out as energy courses through his body and looking a hell of a lot more glamrocky. And I cannot for the life of me get that image out of my head. I have this picture here and there's sort of this like rough sketch of the, of the shape of him. And yeah. Like and the, the body posture is good. The hair, it doesn't say Glamrock to me. It says Goku. There's a little bit of Super Saiyan there. But yeah. let's be fair, Goku and the Super Saiyan this has kind of colored anything you could do with that sort of hairstyle. What it's going to be defined by is how feathered it looks when it's at that state. And also... Cool. If there's like a headband involved. Well, we've talked about how we're trying to, you know, like use Bowie selectively as, yeah. as an inspiration. The most drawings with him with long hair here, it's long, straight hair. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it doesn't look like in a way that David Bowie ever looked, ever. I mean, a lot of the reason behind that is with these sketches in particular, we've done a lot of basing Glampire on Bowie, obviously, mm -hmm. because the two are very intrinsically linked. But by limiting what I was trying to create by just making Glampire Bowie... I sat down and I said, you know, what if I was just designing Glampire based on what you and Doug had described, what would he look like? What feels Glampire to me? I, and that's where a lot of these came from. That's where that long, straight hair came from. I, I feel like the hair, the thing that you've described, is very hard for me to take seriously. Glampire, for all intents and purposes so far, has looked fairly human. I want to get something out of him that looks alien, that looks proper terrifying. Does he transform? Well, kind like when he like a vampire. This isn't even would. my final form. You, you, but, mean, you but, mean like like vampires and Buffy? Um, not quite as monstrous, but even in like Bella Lugosi, the teeth come out. You know, right? Well, we discussed last time about glowing eyes. You know, there's a difference when he's about mm -hmm. to feed. Like there's a, there's a difference. I don't remember him having the ability to change his appearance at will. No, I don't mean like shapeshifter. I mean okay. more like when he goes full beast mode. Does his, the hair do his eyes, yeah, does his hair go nuts? Does his, the fangs come out? Does his brow furrow? Does he have black eyes at that point, like a shark? And we want him to be the big bad. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a funny show, but like he's already Glampire. Yeah. And I think there's... And I will fight for the name of Glamrock for his home planet, by the way. <laughs> I, will, I will fight to the death. <laughs> it's clear the day. I, I, I got to say, I'm super conflicted on that. I'm conflicted too, because on one hand, it, I'm like... It's, it's, it's really funny, but it's also really fucking dumb. But is it dumb, or no, is it it's just, just on the nose? It is just campy and cheesy and right up where we need to be. Because Glampire isn't his actual name. They just Why not? call him I, Glampire. I, I think, know, everyone calls him Glampire. That's as far as we know, that is his name. But his real name, he doesn't say what his real name is. Gotcha. So he's not go exactly going home to Glamps and Glammy. No, 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 no. If he were to go back to to Glamrock, as it were, they wouldn't say Glampire, you've returned. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, it's whatever his name really is. I would imagine Glampire is almost like the species, like that describes the species as a whole. Gotcha. I don't think they would call themselves Glampires necessarily. But I just, that's what would be attributed to it, them. It could, it'd right. be like a rough translation. 
Yeah, because, like, he they, is he is a glampire. Right. Like the buggers. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, they wouldn't call themselves buggers. Especially they, considering it's a British swear. Why would you do that? Yeah. The Formix. The Formix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for the era we're trying to evoke with Lightning Dogs, it's a perfect name. And it's not going to be brought up that often to the point where we're going to have to... Yeah, I don't, it's yeah. not like I mean, it's going to be a set of fuzzy you know dice what, hanging I, I from feel, our rear. I feel like the real deciding factor is going to be if we have the opportunity to float this by Brian. He did coin the phrase "glampire." Yeah, like how do you how do you feel about this? Now, but he, so then, how about this? Then we'll just say whenever we're discussing Glampire's home world, we just call it Glamrock because this is something his home world is probably not even going to come up until like season four. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down with calling it Glamrock and floating it's, it by Brian. It's, it's and a good inevitably, for us. Yeah, exactly. Inevitably, hearing Brian chortle. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, he's gonna, he's going to love it. I just don't know he's going to love it. But what's going to come out the other end? He's like, I love. It's great, but could could be an answer. There, there, there right. is that possibility. Yes. So, but in shorthand, we're gonna just it's glam it as, as, as glam rock. Here's a couple things that I could see visually for Glampire. One that whatever costume he's wearing illuminates. So, if it was an action figure, like maybe he'd have lights on him, mm -hmm. or maybe we could even create some battle armor with crystals in it that light up or something like that. If he's, yeah, because if he's consuming energy, energy then he can yeah. have it cooked up to his bloodstream and store the energy in the crystals and like use it as amplifiers. That's just something we could do down the line. Sounds okay. like a fun feature. There's a thing that was part of the sketch with the hair where I wasn't sure what to make of it because I looked at it without you describing anything to me about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know the proper name for it, but there's like a ceremonial Japanese headdress thing that I feel might be like reminiscent of like an Oni or something to that effect. Yeah. It could be interesting if for some reason he has something like a, that a mask or something i don't not not permanently not like dr doom but if we're looking for like him to have this kind of, kind of like ferocious appearance or something like i don't i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this it just or maybe maybe another character altogether maybe something that looks like the shape that you've drawn here but gotcha. for glampire i feel like he needs to be chic because like glamrock did have you know a lot of big hair mm -hmm. in it but bowie's version of glamrock the reason it survived the was reason because it, it was more refined and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't it was more faster and louder. Yeah, I just I wanted to involve that in just a little bit, and maybe there's a, maybe there's room for it in one of his minions. I mean, he could have a mullet. I'd actually be okay with that. You know, Ziggy had a mullet. Aladdin had a mullet. I think a mullet can work as long as it just doesn't come off as ratty. Like as long as it just comes off as like slick. That's what he's got. Yeah. So and, and his, his hair can change throughout the show. I mean, his costumes yeah. are changing. His look can change. Yeah. That's gonna be half the fun of Glampire is the different looks. I mean, but and, and in terms of the mullet. Not only did Bowie have a mullet, but like Mick Jagger's mullet. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's a certain rock element thing. to it. Yeah. Like there's the Mick Jagger. I mean, it's, right. that, it's not really a mullet. It's no. a mullet combination. I don't want to say Bob. That's just. You sure that isn't some kind of a stone cutting? <laughs> no, I mean I'm pretty sure that's actually a picture of his face. But it's. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like there's a rock and roll thing happening there. It's a fine balance. No, but what it is is it's the charisma of Mick Jagger that carries through his hairstyle. Yeah, but I think Glampire could do it similar, no, I, you know, like if you just I'm sort of blocking it out. Well, I'm just saying Glampire can equally do it. It's just going to be a matter of the charisma we imbue the character. Yeah, but that's the kind of look that I had in my head when thinking of what's his baseline day to day when he's not in the extravagant costume and he has the extravagant hair. What's like the sort of thing that is the, is the standard default that you can then build off of? The other hairstyles on this page have a way more kind of be shonen ish they're just, they're not the look that I think he needs to be stylish, but also like deadly. Like the, but the one, and, the one on the upper left 
is a guy who's you're like, oh, you're real handsome or real pretty. Oh my god, you might bite me and kill me. That's, yeah, and I, he, I, that's got okay. it. Okay, no, and that's that's I <laughs> did lean a little bit toward the bishy. I did because especially since it came up in the context of the conversation yeah. with his thrall ability, I figured, you know what? Why not? Let's roll it. Let's see what Glampire would look like if he was pretty, like just straight pretty. And well, that is more or less the facial look we went with for Glampire. That frequently referenced upper left head sketch. We'll link to this episode's page where you can see a compilation of all my early Glampire sketches, and yes, the winning head is still in the upper left. But Glampire wasn't all I'd drawn. You created a race of cliff-dweller creatures. I did. Because especially once we started talking about them being in the Midwest, I was thinking about, first and foremost, we've got all these cliffs out there. Obviously, we want to populate it. So something that lives inside the cliffs, maybe a society that is built off of a more communal nature where, you know, it's a whole bunch of interconnected tunnels, thereby the society itself would have to be interconnected as well. You can't really be shut off, otherwise you might be trapped forever. So we've got this sightless group of cliff dwellers. They've got these kind of tendrils coming off their head, which I kind of pictured like roots, almost like these are potato people. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which leads to, I mean, it's interesting hairstyles that we can do, not to mention it can give some interesting facial deformities just by, you know, where the roots are coming out. If you've ever seen a potato that's just been allowed to grow wild, say, if you've played Portal 2, you know that things can get kind of crazy. But in kind of going through that and going with that, I remembered when I was younger, I went to Colorado and I got to see some of the, like, tribal villages that were built literally into a cliff face. Mm-hmm. And that sort of society, that sort of culture. So I figured, you know, especially with the Koyanis Katsi that we've referred yeah, no. to in the past. I mean, how can you be more in tune with Mother Nature and the Earth than to live in the Earth? I really like this idea. So kind of give them a little bit more of an American Indian tribal feel and kind of play with it from there. And I just I, I came up with some things. I, I threw a little sketch in there of kid being attacked by a bunch of these things. And kind of the way that they would fight. They're short. I don't picture them very tall. I picture them like maybe three feet tall, three, four feet tall, and just built stocky. There was one that you drew. I was either a different look for them or a ceremonial mask. Ceremonial mask. Which I, I really, I really like the look of that. I, I like the whole idea. Now, I feel like the overall design, I think we can still like work it over, but mm -hmm. you're talking about them living with the earth, they're living in the earth, and the earth itself is poisoned. And, you know, we, we have a plant character. I don't know if, you know, there's necessarily like a connection there. And he was the one who was pulling from the, the mythology angle there. Well, what this could be then is, I don't want to say difference of opinion, but that's kind of a, a blunt way of putting it. Like, he is tapped in with the living earth, with what is left of nature and what is left alive. These guys could be tapped in. No, fuck it, I'm not going to say could be. These guys are tapped in with the dead earth. They're tapped in with the earth that is. They have taken the, the chaos and the death, and they are the opposite side of the coin like a true opposite side of the coin, not just the metaphysical and metatextual opposite side of the coin between nature and machine, man. Sounds but, like we're talking like a difference between Ewoks and Tusken Raiders. Okay. And I mean that in the sense of Ewoks live in harmony with nature in the forest moon. And, it, and it's Tusken Raiders are just loud and annoying. Well, but they're also very, it's like a, it's almost like a death focused society. Like, I mean, it's out in the desert, like there's nothing out there. Like it's all very surviving with just so little. They don't well, even and, celebrate and life as much as just harsh survival. Another angle to it is actually, let's flip that because this death obsessed society is the one that's interconnected. It's got a number of different moving pieces that all keep, they support each other and they keep the whole thing alive. The avatar that we've discussed, there's only one patch of nature left. So he's very isolated. He yeah. is alone. Also a defender of it as well. He's a defender, yeah. but he's a defender by way of believing that an attack is the best defense. 
if something comes into his range, he will destroy it rather mm-hmm. than let it potentially destroy what he let has the word left. Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got an ability to turn convention on its head by saying that the creatures who are living off of the dead earth are the ones that are more communal and more in tune with what the earth would want than this avatar who has all the energy of life but keeps it to himself rather than so let it actively extin- hostile. It's almost, actively yeah. hostile rather than letting it be extinguished. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something more here, too. For example, having these potato people with roots growing out of their faces and stuff, they kind of have a savage look to them. There's also the grace of building into the, the cliffs as they are. Mm-hmm. But what if there's a duality to them? Like, they're from the poisoned earth, so the poisoned earth has given forth these creatures. They've created the mutation by which such a creature is even possible to exist. Mm-hmm. And they're people. Like, they're, they're peopleoids of their own variety. Mm-hmm. However, they are plant people. They do spoil. They do go bad, and, and so like like they have they have a, a life and rebirth cycle that is extremely short, and they have to say kill their elderly, or they will go mad. Like their people can become savages in short time if they don't take care of themselves. Like they are vegetables that they have to they have to tend before they spoil. Right, at, at risk of turning it into a joke because I kind of want it to be scary. <laughs> well, and I I will also say this just with the demographic we're shooting for. Let's let's. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to strangle the humor out of lightning dogs. Well, I know we're also. Pl- I'm also going to say, let's shy away from murdering the elderly before they go insane. We'll, well, we'll dress that up no, in a I'm different. Think, I, I like the idea. I, I assume that what Cap was talking about was less of let's murder the elderly and more of it's like Logan's carousel. Run. Yeah, let's say Logan's Run carousel. No, and I understand, but he did actually say they have to kill the elderly. That, That's that what they do in Logan's that Run. Was shorthand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's a ritual thing. Like they accept that. Like it's it's mm-hmm. my time. I get to I get to go. But like they it, have a, they have a very mature view of life and death. Yeah, in that sense where it's just like oh well your spots are shown it means it's about time for you to get ready for carousel and then it's like oh okay well i'll, I'll make things right with the family and then i'll, I'll make my way down there and no and I, I am down with that entirely and then we have a cookout god damn it <laughs> what's on the menu tonight Baked mashed potato. potatoes <laughs> mashed potatoes boil them mash them stick them in a stew mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 that, would, that could be the chant. Th- no, this is no. this is by no means a finished idea, but I think there's a lot here that could be done with these potato people. Mm. Oh, um, absolutely! Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. No, please don't. <laughs> in fact, if we say go to the Wikipedia page for potatoes and and read up on them, we may find some strange things about potatoes that we could adapt into. Like, you know, what's a potato's relationship with fungus? How do those well, two know, things go together? A potato before, can generate electricity. Before you ever explain them to be like potato people, which, I mean, when I look at them now, that's clearly what they look like now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but before that, I thought they were kind of more like mole people. And not like mammalian, but more well, of like... It, it actually was, I believe mole person is, yeah, mole, cliff dwellers, mole-like. Yeah, with the idea that they carve their way, like moles would just dig through this whole tunnel of stuff. Yeah. But before we got to the idea of them being like an entire plant biology, if they were like a weird hybrid where it's like they're infected by it, almost like they were animals, but the roots are growing through them, like a weird worm. Oh, that's thing. that's interesting too. Par- another the parasite another, relationships are always pretty interesting. Yeah. Another idea, because I, I just mentioned this to Cap, and if we could bring in like a little bit of a Warhammer angle, a mm-hmm. little bit. One of the things that happens with the Colonial Marines and Warhammer, and I'm sure many of our listeners know this, but I'm going to explain it just in case. I don't know this. Go for uh, it. Some of the Colonial Marines, once they reach a particular tenure, before they die, they can be elected to become, and I'm also sure that people are going to yell at me for when I get it wrong, but they can be elected to become some sort of a like sentinel, where essentially their sarcophagus is plugged into a machine that will literally kill until it is destroyed. It's a juggernaut, is it? Uh, it's a, something like it's that. It's a Terminator? There's something... There, I, I, that there, there, is a speci- there is a particular phrase, but it's, it's an undeath. Yeah. So, potatoes generate electricity. 
the elderly have an opportunity to either power resources or power defenses. So you are literally using the lifeblood of your own people to defend the current living people there. Oh boy. See now Soylent Green is potatoes. Here, here's the thing. The most logical way to do that is to be to cut off their arms and legs and have them be like, you know, full on potato torsos, which is creepy and awful. But that's the way if you're if you're really treating them as a power source, that's the way that makes most sense. Unless you want to have a big pin of them and like unleash your grandparents on your foes or whatever. <laughs> but like they're gonna be like rotting, they're gonna be gross. I Almost don't... like zombies. No, like, I was like, I was picturing uh... more just a way of powering energy weapons as opposed to zombie potatoes. Zomb I don't fries. think they should have access to electricity, if anything, because we don't want too many intelligent creatures for the lightning dogs to bump into. I, I think... get you. Well, not to say that they're not intelligent, but not significantly advanced. Right. I don't. Especially yeah. if we're going with it was just more and you know. It's places we can explore with these guys. Mm -hmm. Potatoes generate electricity. Mm -hmm. Let's shove a couple of electrodes in there and then have a light bulb. I think that's something that... Uh, Which I now see is their way of with. having... It's like, we can't see down here. Give me a moment. I can definitely see that, like, Glampire has Trying a to weaponize a potato. Them. Or just he has a basement full of them. That's how he has electricity. And you're like, that's fucking horrible. Like, he is the one who has the arms and legs cut off of these people. And he's got them stuck in a basement somewhere. And they're just these old potatoes like, let me die. And he's just like, no, no, you keep in, you keep in the refrigerator running. I can't do that. I don't think we can go down that road. No, it's dark. That's, <laughs> that's I'm not horrible. saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. I can see that being something he well, would do. Well, if it's dark, we just need more. Like, if no, it's dark, we just need more elderly I, potato people do, to help get it lit up. I do. I do legitimately like the idea of if they, if we do treat them as potato people, if that does become the joke, and it's a pretty good joke, we could have a situation where they are like, I got to show you something in these tunnels here, and he's like, well, like I didn't bring, I didn't bring a flashlight, and he's like, well, hold on a second. They, they do like, it's like he like he <laughs> like, like an he, ivy. He, he winces as he plugs something into his own flesh, you know, like. No one's gonna forget that, or a crystal even. Just put a crystal stick. Yeah, a crystal well, well, as long as arm. you know, there's like you know, it's got an electrode and it's like a you know, it yeah. looks like technology yeah. and like and it looks like salvage technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Weird, man. Okay, let's do it. Sweet, you did it. I had a little bit more focus. It was like, all right, let's get the juices flowing. <laughs> but, but the potato cliff people, potato cliff people. Yeah. Now, yeah, we may even want to separate it somehow of like. Maybe the potato people are straight up subterranean tuber people and we create something else for the cliff people. Either mm -hmm. way, it's great. With the only reason that I would say let's stick them in the cliffs, let's keep them in the cliffs, is that naturalistic American Indian sort of thing that I yeah. was kind of tapping into because those were their villages, their settlements carved into the, the sides of these cliff faces. So You know, and I, I agree. Like someone needs to have that. Whether it's them or not, I couldn't say. But it could be them. It'll be more fun if we're going to have like a tuber, a proper underground tube dwelling society. I think that'd be more fun to have something that more benefits from a tube. Perhaps it's cliche, but like a race of worm individuals, because there's a lot of different things we have. You know, we've played around with these abominations, these mergers of, you know, humanoid and insect and like every living creature mm -hmm. getting mashed together in some sort of sick way. We've we, dealt we just a little bit to... with the sea. We've dealt uh, Shadow Man was kind enough as to give us the air. What would be more fun to play with underground than potato people? What would be something that if you were to see it pop out of the ground would either creep you out, make you laugh, bring you some sort of joy, make you tingle in some way, shape, or form? I'm picturing something slimy and tendril-like. More like tremors, really, is the yeah. only direction you can go. Because the other thing I want to be careful is to not have too many intelligent things, like I've said. Like, we already got the cat people that are intelligent. Oh, and if it is something that is brutally unintelligent, then that's why the potato people don't live in the ground. They live in the rocks. Yeah, that could work. I'm still very comfortable with there being just as many monsters and monstrosities as there are sentient creatures of, of mm -hmm. some kind, because those societies, those Mad Max-like societies are where we're going to find the real conflict. There's more than monster hunting, you know? Mm -hmm.
I think that the modern mythology of the reptilian cultures who live underground in the shadow societies is kind of interesting. Nocturnal come out at night. Uh, They wear American flags. I mean, more like a desert lizard society. They definitely come out at night. I was specifically talking about the Illuminati reptile conspiracy stuff. Okay. For those of you who follow the other releases here on the Nerdy Show Network, yes, this was recorded before our Nerdcasting the Multiverse specials and the creation of our reptilian talk shows, Scale Watchers, and Underground Radio. Ba-ba-ba-ba-da. Coincidence? There's no such thing as coincidence! Those brainstorming sessions I mentioned before were where we came up with half the segments for Nerdcasting the Multiverse. We'll link to where you can hear those specials on this episode's page. They're good examples of Cap, Doug, and I writing and improvising some of the comedic stylings that'll no doubt make it into lightning dogs. Anyhow, where was I? Oh, right! I call this meeting of the Midnight Society to order. Now, obviously, that's a far-reaching thing. If we're having manipulators of the human government, I was not talking about in that regard, but more the kind of ghost story of there being things presently beneath the earth, like so deep and so old that it goes to you know ancient civilizations and all that. Like you, you can fall into the earth enough that it's not like the hollow earth theory of like there's an internal sun or whatever, but it's like there's things down there that are so old and so deep. It, it could be interesting because basically I was thinking, well, what stories can we tell underground? What stories do I even want to tell underground? Because we're dealing with characters whose main action item is, you know, fucking cars and stuff. That's not <laughs> applicable. Like this has to be like, you know, one or two episodes where this happens. And we get to introduce the new subterranean burrower, the yeah. bone backyardinator. Dig up your bone in the backyard, Beneath kids. The planet of the <laughs> apes. <laughs> Maybe like blind albino lizard creatures that live under the the, yeah. The oh yeah like, that you're looking be like a little bit like a naked mole rat type kind of like in the, uh, the descent you guys are seeing the descent no, no never seen it yeah it's like there were some weird pale they weren't exactly people but they were humanoid ish like two legs two arms head with two eyes and definitely uh something very old that lives very deep and never see the sun ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And they have no problem running through the pitch dark to get you because they're used to it. Yeah, I would be happy to develop that. Yeah, it could be a cool thing. I mean, even if it's just monsters, not people, but just monsters. Again, we'll link to where you can see my early potato people sketches on this episode's page. Well, there's one image of all potato people. Then there's another page that has an even stranger potato person sketch along with some other wastelander randomness, including a sketch of some crystals in a human shape that gave me an interesting idea. And as you'll hear spawn some even crazier ideas in turn. The only other idea that I came up with uh, isn't the creepy spiny looking dude, which I like him just the same. He's something we can work in somewhere. I like the looks of it. I caught out of the corner of my eye. I wasn't sure what it was uh, intended for. I, I was just 
farting around with something we can show up, bounty hunter character later, whatever. But the thing that I was thinking about is these crystals that we've got, because we've identified that these crystals, by and large, are just, you know, amazing propensity for giving off energy, and obviously they're well sought after. Maybe a late game idea. Because clearly these crystals have some sort of, of mystical quality to them. If they're able to help control the diamond dogs, what if the crystals had some semblance of sentience? But as, you know, stone, it took a long time for it to develop to the point where it could actually put thoughts together. And what if it didn't like what Glampire was doing with it? Hmm. So I've got this crystalline dude. Just actual crystals. And this would be saying it out loud, I'm realizing that it might not actually work, but kind of another avatar type deal, but less avatar for a larger power and more legion where it is the collective thoughts. I love having mysticism in stories. I feel like that might be the wrong direction to go. Yeah. Well, I um, feel like that's a role that's already taken up by the, our plant hero and a mix. It's a mixture of our plant hero and space we just boy. Get, we, we get kind of like into the uh, green lantern and the, the swamp thing like Let's break all the things down and other kinds of things and have them fight kind of thing. However, you did just give my brain a nice little like sideline, which we might be able to work with. Hit me. One of the most beloved Ninja Turtle action figures of all time who's seen a massive resurgence lately is Mutagen Man. And then to a lesser extent, Muck Man. Mutagen Man, a.k.a. Seymour Guts, is uh, <laughs> a, a character like so overexposed to Mutagen that he's, in the original action figure, a tank of fluid with a couple eyeballs and some teeth and some internal organs floating in there and then like you know for kids like creepy meaty arms and legs it's been horrifying in both the resurgence of the nick cartoon version of him and then also in the mutanimals idw thing where he was a character as well the action figure is like great because it was it was really dark and like you it was hollow so you could put water in there colored water or you could actually pour your mutagen in there but then and then Muckman was made of garbage and mutagen mixed together so his action figure was like this big pile of garbage with this sort of brain and a banana peel on his head and you could pop it out with your fingernail and there was a, a cavity there his mouth was actually like open and hollow so you could have it ooze you could have it ooze out of his mouth and then also he had this like trash can you clipped onto his back that was hollow and it connected to his abdomen and so there was a hole in his stomach and it could pour out of his stomach as well um, what the fuck did we watch his children. Well, it was barely it, this. This stuff was barely on the cartoon show. I remember these action figures well, vividly was, from their advertising campaigns. The, the Mirage is giving them crazy ideas, and Playmates is like, "Oh my god, this is printing money. Go for it. We'll do the craziest shit." And it was awesome. So okay, so those characters are are about taking your MacGuffin, the mutagen, yep. and combining it with stuff. Either like combining it with like the sheer body horror of mutagen man or just like what, garbage. About, what about garbage which is a thing that's like goes all the way back swamp thing man thing and the heap are all characters based on the same concept i think the heap is the one that goes back the earliest who is actually a, a mountain a of pile of garbage yeah. yeah so what if we had some kind of body horror character of some kind of meat person and like a bunch of crystal experiments it looks like like one of those grow your own crystal kits like from a science fair, but like it's like adhered to like a living creature and it's kind of like horrible to look at, but also you can't look away and, you know, come up with the same kind of action figure. You're like, OK, we've got these clear crystals made out of clear plastic. And how can we make the coolest, weirdest action figure out of this? We'll put some light piping in them. It'll be great. And that is definitely a Queen Lich experiment. It could be. It could be a Queen Lich experiment. Who else is going to do it? Someone we haven't invented yet. True. Could we be. still got that mad doctor who's supposed to work with Glampire. We don't really know. There's plenty of compelling ways we can come up with a reason for these experiments. Like maybe it used to be a, a human. Like maybe it was some kind of a reanimation experiment, which would fall right in line with Queen Lich's stuff. Like she's mm -hmm. trying to like, grow a body out of 
crystal meat or something and it goes wrong and then th- and all that's left is something that's not human and he's a blank slate and he's like a bad guy but also like maybe not we have a lot of those frankenstein's monster yeah i think it's something that's a little too tragic to be straight up like a hench goon nah, i got you but like something that like sacrifices itself well when i when i first saw it, the sketch and i was just trying to think of how how would it make sense like because I don't know about the crystals suddenly gaining sentience because the crystals give sentience. Like, the crystals affect the world around them. Well, what would look like a walking crystal man but would not actually be the crystal person? Like, the crystal itself is not what's doing the thing. And I'm like, well, what if... Uh, just looking at the sketch, I'm like, well, what if the crystals are growing somewhere but they're growing through the topsoil and in the topsoil is, like, a, a moss or, like, a fungus. And because moss or fungus grow so fast... When you're accelerated even more by crystals, this mound of moss or grass or, or uh, fungus or mold or whatever it is, that is what gets the sentience. So when Ooh. you think you're looking at a crystal man, it's just taking the shape of a crystal man, and it's really the joints that seal it together are the sentient part of it. I'm going to piggyback off this, and I'm going to I'm going to twist it just a little bit, because the way that moss grows... Have you ever seen like a neural map, like someone's brain? Mm-hmm. The speed at which the human brain processes information is all based on how many connections we have up there. Obviously, the more connections you have, the faster you think. So let's say, let's let's stick with this, that it's topsoil, the moss is what's growing. The moss gains sentience. The moss then is able to grow and replicate and grow and replicate and grow and replicate. Rather than taking on a physical form, it is a giant neural network. Yeah. So we have this super intelligent moss that has no way of communicating. Or moving, really. Or like moving. It just grows. But it is the smartest fucking thing on the planet. Because it's so huge. Because it's so huge. Well, now you're saying moss, but in fact, we know for a fact now that fungus has an entire global-wide internet among all other funguses. So then there we go. However, in He-Man, or Masters of the Universe, there was that really, <laughs> really cool flocked action figure that was like mossy, and I'd, I'd like to do something like that. But that okay, I'm good, with, I, I'm good with taking the moss and putting that on an action figure, and then taking the fungus and just making that a giant brain, and do it significantly better than Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, fungus can look real, real, real cool. So and there's real, lots real, of real stupid, so. Yeah, when we can, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't need the body horror man crystal thing, and it, it'd just be creepy enough to see a bunch of, like, gross fungal peels of gray matter flesh well, stuff. Also, th- think about when the fungus get, attaches itself to a, a we, body in the wasteland. We don't need to get into that. That was, that was the entirety of Last of Us. And that is some of the most horrifying True, concept of yeah. art I have ever seen. I didn't get to play much of The Last of Us. I only, I, I only played like the first hour or two. So the Cordyceps people are proper fucking creepy, and they did it well enough. We can leave well enough alone. Fair we'll enough. let them have the people. And the the way that I'm picturing this, this fungus intelligence, is that it is beyond the concerns of. Well, it had no influence of the earth before it as far as it's concerned it's the only living thing that is but now it's gained it's gained awareness yeah the thing i'm saying is that this is such a high level of intelligence that this is our supercomputer this is the one that's like yeah i don't give a fuck about glampire mm-hmm. whatever does he, even, does he even know glampire exists yeah. it, it, may, it may not even know if it if it's well, only in one if it's in like in a canyon somewhere in a well, cave if it's, if it's that smart because we're talking the way i'm picturing it's just like this all-knowing being because it knows everything and knows that whatever happens, it will survive. It doesn't care. Well, the flood, Halo, kind of the same thing. The flood has an intelligence. The flood looks fungal, and yes, it does. Yeah. It's the the grave mind. It was in Halo two and three. There's a queen bee, effectively, to the flood, which I really don't know how I feel about. Honestly, I mean, I didn't feel it was particularly strong. I thought it was better just by itself. Eh. 
It was a MacGuffin at the end of two, and then in three, it was there to be destroyed. Yeah. I'm so. thinking this, fun- this, if we go with a fungus thing that's attached to the crystals and it just grew out of control, the more ground it covers, the more intelligent it becomes. Uh-huh. The more ground it covers, it also reaches more crystals. So the faster it grows. So if this is a potential antagonist for the lightning dogs, where it's like, because we have to have other antagonists for them Ooh. to overcome. Ooh. So the idea being that this is like a, a fungus, like, oh, it's another form of life. Let's kind of leave it alone. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to cover the whole earth and I'm going to fucking take over and I'm going to spread to other planets. So you got to stop it here. Better still. Obviously, Glampire's been around a long time. This thing will have started to develop long before the lightning dogs get there. Yeah, so yeah. Glampire cut it off. He wanted to keep it around as a resource because it's a gift in terms of computational abilities. So any kind of questions he's got, boom, to the fungus. But he keeps it controlled. He keeps it quarantined. And he's got a dedicated staff doing that. So, of course... Keeps it just smart enough to not know what it's doing for him. Exactly. But then the lightning dogs discover it. And they picture it as just an intelligence, something benign, something that the crystals have given some sort of life to. So they want to rescue it. So they do. Mm -hmm. And then it starts growing Mm -hmm. and growing and growing. And that's Big Bad Season 3. That's not even big. I don't even think it has to even be big bad, but more of like it's even even if it's just a two episode arc of just something like they accidentally uncover and they're like, oh, let's help this thing because maybe, maybe it can help us. And then next thing you know, it's it wants to spread, take over the world. No, but and let like, me we have to stop it. Let me paint you an episode stinger at the end of episodes and something we can like leave in the back. Various episodes like they save it, say episode two and then episode 12 or whatever. You start seeing like a mushroom. Right, right. Just a, a close up here in a wide shot. You see like a tendril or like, a, you know, just some fungus. It's, just, it's there. It's background art. Nobody cares. Whatever. And then all of a sudden, boom. Starts spores and shit. Starts Spore and everything starts going up and they realize that, oh, fuck. Yeah, he's been doing that the whole time. And then an uneasy alliance with Glampire. I do worry about overcomplicating our entire world because we want like we just want we just wanted to make masters of the universe you know we wanted to make a better thundercats but i can definitely see it being a, an interesting villain where it, it's a villain that you can beat it as far as you can and like you burn it you, you ha- slash and burn and you 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 and you a spore fight it land somewhere yeah. all from all, all from one now, and that's the thing but it's going to start dumb but if it gets unchecked it'll grow to a point where once it reaches a certain size it'll be like oh that's right i remember now and then it just goes <laughs> off again so every time they're bumping into it, it's like a new version of it. And it, and it can pop up at any time. I, I realize that the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm turning into the thing. <laughs> Whereas like if it gets to the ocean and touches a piece of life there, then it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Then it's I, just, that's, you know. that's the problem with stuff like this. Like I think about it in hard sci-fi terms and I'm like, well, we might be creating a bigger problem than we could ever conceivably deal with. Mm-hmm. How can we scale but it hey, back so we can just, have a, a... It's it's an idea if we yeah, need one. Yeah, you know? no, it is. And that, at the same time... This is a magical world filled with talking dogs. At the end of the day, we can say, oh, the Glampire had the antifungal cream. Right, I just, I just don't Preparation want... Preparation H. I, I just to save the day. I, I just don't want to be in a situation where we're like, well, this is really cool, we want to do it, but we've built it in such a way so that there's, like, there's a logic problem of, well, fungus just plain doesn't work this way. Sorry, but I, I, just, I gotta get this out there. Where's All the of a sudden, now they're about to lose. John Madden shows up. Got fungus problems? Boom! Tough acting to acting. Oh no, that's pretty. No, you're shaking your head, Doug. But that's actually a good one. If we have to, if we have to deliver like some kind of a character who's got some kind of like thing, wouldn't it be great to have some kind of guy like I've been fighting off fungus for years, and he's like, and he's a parody of John Madden. How fucking amazing that. You're still, why are you still shaking your head? That's a great idea. <laughs> too much. No, having no, a character that's been fighting off the fungus for years, but making it John Madden. No, he's, no, he's, we, he's like he's like be, John Rambo and John Madden. You know, it's just one of those things that this is this is completely acceptable. 
This is within the it's boundaries. It's so far removed from what John Madden is actually known for that it's just like... Oh, yes, like, because David Bowie is known for enthralling people. And, never mind. Yeah. It's an interesting way to pull a weird... Because that, that, that attitude that Madden brought to those bizarre... Boom! Tough act and acting. Like, foot cream stuff. Like, that's, that's weird. That's a weird way to behave. And wouldn't it be interesting to have a guy who behaves in that weird way? No one necessarily even needs to get it. It's just a weird character. It's you even know? a little bit like a, the they live, like he's been fighting the secret war right, that no against fungus. Of, yeah. that nobody cares. <laughs> yes, yes. Nobody's <laughs> talking about the fungus. <laughs> you got, you're so blind to what's happening out here. Fighting the fight. You got to stamp it out before it gets too smart. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Yes, yes, yes. Like a fungal conspiracy theorist yeah. with John Madden. But he's right. <laughs> fungal conspiracy theorist, but he just happens to be 100% correct. And then when we, oh... No, I, and I recognize the chances of this making it in, probably pretty low, but when they're coming up with like a game plan of how to defeat it, he's yes. doing the X's and O's yes, thing. Yes, yes, no, that is, that is 100% happening. Uh. <laughs> now you see what you need to do. Scrimmage. Fungus is going to be coming over here and over here. Dingo, we need you down here and right here. <laughs> I got it all in my playbook. <laughs> You're outvoted, Doug. This is happening. Madden 2032. There's got to be something special here. Tony and I never agree on anything. <laughs> All right, we'll see. And when the opportunity when the opportunity arises. God, I love those plumbers. <laughs> it's interesting how things loop back around. Though Cap and I are still all about the John Madden inspired peopleoid fighting a secret war against the fungus, and I did a sketch of what he might look like, which we'll link to. We're still really on the fence on how to go about implementing any widespread fungus enemy. In the earlier episodes, and even very briefly in this episode, Cap cautioned against creating too close a parallel between lightning dogs and the kingdoms of plants and fungus, the green and the gray, as seen in Swamp Thing. Then there's the talk of the crystal body horror experiment creature, not a far cry from some of our earlier discussions about the fate of the diamond dogs. This is something you'll see from time to time, us running in circles around an idea we've already had, at least in part, sometimes not even realizing we've had it already, chasing our own tails, but hot on the scent of an idea we really like but can't quite get just right. It'll all come together in time. It always does. In fact, with lightning dogs, sometimes the ideas we discard immediately, usually mine, inevitably bounce back in an incredible way. Terror terriers. Just saying. But that's enough absurd ideas for one episode. How about a completely reasonable idea? Joining the pack and supporting us on Patreon. We're fighting to make lightning dogs a reality, but it's an uphill battle, and the only way we can ensure that it's a fight we win is with your support. Head over to patreon.com slash lightning dogs and enlist in our canine crusade, like our most recent Patreon, Ole Melde. Hope I said that right. Welcome to the pack, friend! On our Patreon, you'll find access to early releases and exclusive content, while at the same time helping us work towards our goals of paying for additional concept art from fantastic artists, hiring Doug so one of us can be working on lightning dogs full-time, and one of our most clear and present goals, hiring Greg Wiseman, creator of Gargoyles, co-creator of Young Justice, to review our pitch Bible and advise us as to how we should move forward. But Tony, I hear you ask, how can I support Lightning Dogs and show everyone in my day-to-day -day life physical proof that I'm running with the pack? Simple, my friend. Lightning Dog shirts are finally here. Head to the Nerdy Show store and get yourself a shirt of our incredible emblem design by Danica Robbins. Shirts come in five colors and men's, women's, and even youth sizes for the pups in your life. With these shirts, it's impossible not to look awesome. And of course, there's the most cost-effective way to support our efforts. Just write and review us on iTunes. It's simple to do, and it's a critical step in helping new people discover this project. 
If you love lightning dogs, I beseech you, do one or all of these things. I ain't going to limit you. We can't win this battle without you. Coming up in the next episode, and you've been waiting for a long time for this one, it's time to meet Maxacree, the lightning dog's vehicle designer. Our quest begins to outfit our team with some bitchin' hot rods and to take down the Glampire. Bye, I'm Tony. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.